Welcome to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. Harvest time is here. I am bringing in basket loads of vegetables from the garden each and every day. And I'm curious if you've ever run into this problem that I'm experiencing right now. So I'll go out to the garden and I will have a full basket of veggies, but oftentimes it's a mix and match assortment, right? So it's not like I have an entire basket of cucumbers, although sometimes I do, or an entire basket of tomatoes. It's more just like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And sometimes that is fantastic, but other times it can leave you scratching your head just a little bit to figure out what to do with a handful of green beans or just a handful of pickling cucumbers, etc. So in today's episode, I wanted to share a few of the strategies that I've been using over the years to help me maximize micro harvests. I'm your host, Jill Winger, and this is the podcast for the Trailblazers, the mavericks, the makers, the homesteaders, the modern pioneers, and the backyard farmers. If you're ready to boost your food security and live a more homegrown lifestyle, well, this is the podcast for you. So I am recording this today. I am home alone. Like this never, ever, ever happens. Um, I had my video crew here this morning. Um, I've started this new thing where once a month I have a husband and wife team of videographers come up from our nearby town and we spend a whole morning shooting a month's worth of YouTube videos just because I was having a really hard time keeping up on YouTube. Some of you may have noticed that I was just not posting videos for a while because I just couldn't get it to flow. Anyway, so it's been good. It's called batching. You've heard me talk about it before. It's my favorite strategy for uh, efficiency or one of my favorite strategies. So anyway, we did videos all morning, which kind of honestly make me feel a little bit fried because... It takes a lot out of me to present to camera for like four hours straight, just with my introverted self. Like I can do it and I can have energy, but I just, at the end of it, I'm like a limp noodle. So here I am recording podcasts after like five hours of video, which doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense, but I'm telling you all this. It is related. I promise. Sort of. Um, anyway, I had the babysitter take the kids to her house. Christian is at our fixer upper in our, the little tiny town to the North of us. They are, working on cleanup there. We're making good progress and hopefully we'll have a plumber and electrician in there. So he's gone. The kids are gone. I'm home alone. And I'm like, I got my videos done. So now what do we do? Take a bubble bath? No. Go for a walk? Nah. Uh, read a book? No, thanks. I'm recording podcasts. So I'm telling you this because I want you to know that I may say <laughs> weird things in this episode, perhaps things that don't make sense. And it's probably because my brain is a little bit fried from just recording a whole bunch of videos. But anyway, this is going to be a fun topic because I've seen some folks talk about this in some of my groups. What the heck do you do when you just have a little bit of this and a little bit of that from the garden? And I don't have perfect answers for this per se, but I will share a few of the things that I have done over the years that just basically prevents me from having to throw a lot of things away, right? You, you get a handful of green beans in and it's not like you can wait, they can wait indefinitely for you to get the rest of the harvest. Like sometimes you just have to get creative. So here are some of the things I'm doing. One of them, in fact, I'm implementing tonight. So the first thing, kind of my first go-to when it comes to vegetable preservation, and I've done a lot of episodes on preservation. So if you want to go back a few episodes, I did one on 
kind of an overview of my four favorite preservation methods. I've done tons of canning episodes. We've done fermenting and crocks and all that stuff. Um, but one of my favorite methods for this particular problem is called quick pickling or refrigerator pickles. So I've talked about this before, but just to reiterate, there are three different types of pickles, or at least that's how I sort through it in my brain. I am a compartmentalization person. I like to organize things. I'm a visual learner. That's how I organize in my brain. So that's how I teach. But in my little world, in Jill's world of pickles, there are three different types. There are fermented pickles, which is kind of the old school bubbly sour pickle that would be preserved in a brine, lacto-fermentation. Then we have our canned pickles. We use the vinegar, we use the salt, we use the dill and garlic and whatever, uh, maybe or maybe they're sweet pickles, and we use vinegar and water bath canning to make our jars of pickles shelf stable. And with canning, we usually like to have a pretty decent batch of cucumbers before we go to the effort of doing the canning. And then lastly, we have refrigerator pickles. And refrigerator pickles are similar to canned pickles in that they use vinegar, they use salt, but because we're making them in small batches, we can keep them in the refrigerator and we don't have to water bath can them. Now they're not shelf stable. They won't be good out in your pantry forever, but they will last in your refrigerator three to four months. So what I love, love, love to do is to get a jar in my fridge, whether it's a quart or a half gallon or a gallon sized. I get my brine, which I'll explain in a minute. And then I can just pop the vegetables right in. Like the other day I had two pickling cucumbers. So I made up a jar and I put the two lone cucumbers in there. And then as I got more out of the garden, I just started filling that jar up. Super easy. They're ready as early as 48 hours, but I'd say if you give them a couple weeks, they're even better, right? That the vinegar does its thing. So here is your ratio. So if you want to do your quick pickles, I have a whole blog post on this. I will um, drop it in the show notes because it has like the printable recipe card and all that good stuff. But you're going to need for a quart jar, um, a cup of vinegar, like apple cider or white is fine, a cup of water, a tablespoon of salt, and a tablespoon of sugar. Now the sugar is optional. It, it is, does not make a sweet pickle by any means, but it just cuts the acidity of the vinegar just a bit. So it's a little more palatable. But if you are very much opposed to the sugar, you can leave it out. Or you could even use honey or something else. Okay. So you're going to take all those ingredients, the salt, the sugar, the vinegar, the water. You bring it to a boil in a little saucepan. Then you let it cool for a few minutes. And then you can pour that brine over the vegetable that is vegetables that are in the jars waiting, right? Leave a little room at the top, put your lid on. You stick those babies in the fridge and give them a couple days, they will last for a good couple of months. And like I said, this is just easy, right? You can throw this together faster than it takes you to bake a batch of cookies. And it, you only could, I mean, if you have one cucumber, then do it with one cucumber and leave room in the jar for more vegetables. I've done this with beets and carrots and of course cucumbers. You can do it with cauliflower, um, basically any firm Vegetable, when you get into the leafy greens, obviously that's not going to be a great fit for this method, but it can be a major uh, game changer when you have just little bits of things coming in from the garden. Another little trick that I like to do, and I'm actually doing this tonight, I realized I have <clears throat> a handful of beets, a little bit of broccoli, a little bit of cauliflower, a single zucchini, 
Um, I have carrots out in the garden. I have garlic. What else do I have? I have some cabbage. So I'm going to make some sort of stir fry. Maybe with all those vegetables, maybe with just a few, but you can make up a sauce with a little bit of cornstarch and some soy sauce or a soy sauce alternative and some ginger and some garlic and go crazy with the stir fry. I was initially going to do it with rice, but I remembered I have some brown rice ramen style noodles in the pantry and I get these at Costco every so often, not all the time, but they are gluten-free. They don't have the ramen like MSG pack, <laughs> no MSG packs on these guys. So you just get the noodles and they're brown rice, like I said. So I'm going to cook those up. They cook up real quick. They're in the bricks, just like your typical top ramen noodles. And I'm going to do the stir fry with the sauce over that. So that's going to be our supper tonight because Christian, like I said, is at the house working. He comes home really hot um, after that. He wants a lighter supper. And I like a lighter supper when it's hot. So that is our plan. And it's going to use up all of the weird random veggies that are in my refrigerator. Another trick I'll do as far as like a supper idea <clears throat> when I have little bits and pieces of things is to do a sheet pan dinner. You can do this at any time, but it's a great way to use up stuff out of the garden. And I experimented with this a lot last year. So a sheet pan dinner is basically where you take a cookie sheet of some sort. You put your protein, whether it's a chicken breast or a steak or a pork chop, you might put some oil and some spices on it. And then you take your roasting vegetables. Maybe it's cut up potatoes or sweet potatoes or roasted, uh, not roasted onions, but like onion quarters that you would roast or broccoli, cauliflower, green beans, like anything will work. You coat them in olive oil, a little bit of salt and pepper, and you stick everything on the sheet pan for, I don't know, it depends on, really there's not a formula. It kind of depends on the meat you use and the vegetables you use, but there's lots of ratios on the internet if you want to get a little more specific. But you can easily use up, you know, a cup or two of green beans and a couple potatoes and a little bit of broccoli on a pan, and it will still make a good hearty supper for the family, and you don't have to have it be quite so um, high maintenance because everything's just on the same pan, same seasonings. And when I did this last year, my family thought it was like the greatest thing ever, just the novelty of the sheet pan, I guess. I don't know. Uh, in the 80s, we had casseroles, and now we have skillet meals and sheet pan dinners, like the mom's saving grace. All right, another trick. I love this for tomatoes. This is my tomato life-saving tip. I just did this over the weekend, in fact. Tomato plants are notorious for ripening slowly over a period of time. So you might have 500 tomato plants, maybe not that many. I have like 40. Uh, but it's not like they all have fruit at the same time that's ready to roll. In fact, you'll get like one red, red tomato here and two red tomatoes there and maybe five on this day, which is fine if you can keep up just eating them. But if you have paste tomatoes and you want to do the sauces, it's really frustrating because you're like, I can't make sauce with five tomatoes and they're just going to go to waste. Here's what I do. This is such a, such a helpful little trick that, I, that I've been doing for a couple years now. Take the tomatoes. Um, wash them, take the, the stems off. And then I like to just trim the tops off and kind of squish out the guts. It's very, uh, not fancy, not particular. Like literally I do the best I can. I do not go in and scrape out every seed or get, I just don't, I don't peel them. I just don't care that much to be perfectly honest. I get as much of the moisture out as I can, uh, without a lot of fuss. So often I'll just like cut the tops off. I'll squish the tomato over a bowl and then I will take that squished tomato and put it in a 
gallon freezer bag and I'll fill up the freezer bag or maybe it's not even ready to be full. That's fine too. And then I'll pop those tomatoes into the freezer. Now, obviously this is not a good fit if you want slicing tomatoes for your hamburgers. This will result in mushy tomatoes once you thaw out the bag. But if you have sauce in your future, that's your goal. It works like a charm. And all you have to do when you finally have all the tomatoes you need, maybe, you know, kind of for me, the end of the year, I'll pull off all my green tomatoes, put them in boxes, and then I wait for them to ripen. And they usually ripen pretty quickly. And then I take, you know, 20 pounds or 40 pounds or whatever, and I cook them into the sauce. I can just pull those bags out of the freezer at that same time, let them defrost in my sink. And then I can add those right into the pots and then I can cook them down. And the, the other cool thing about this is a lot of times the freezing process causes the tomatoes to release more of the juice. And when you're making sauce, the watery stuff isn't really your friend because it just causes you to have to cook the sauce down even more. So when I'm thawing out these tomatoes, I get left with a couple inches of water in the bottom of the bag that I can just pour out. And it just is a little bit time-saving as far as what it's going to take to cook down the tomatoes. So I use that trick a lot. I did it this weekend. Um, I had started chopping some tomatoes up. I was going to try to make homemade ketchup. And then I'm like, Jill, what are you doing? You have like 50 things happening all at the same time. Maybe homemade ketchup is not a good use of your brain power at this exact moment. So I did a quick pivot. I stuck those babies in a Ziploc bag, put them in the freezer, and they didn't go to waste. I didn't have to worry about losing some to mold or rot or whatever in there waiting for me, maybe down the road in a few weeks when I have the bandwidth for ketchup making or whatever else strikes my fancy. So pop those tomatoes in the freezer. Does this work exactly the same with all vegetables? Nah, not necessarily. Like um, if you freeze green beans and you thaw them out for canning, I mean, they're going to be a little mushier, right? Or you kind of have to play it by ear with vegetable to vegetable, but for tomatoes, it's a lifesaver. Another thing I do a lot with tomatoes, but this would apply to a lot of vegetables, is dehydrating. So we talked about that on my other episode all about preservation methods. Um, you can get a dehydrator, either kind of more of an economy model, or you can do the Cadillac Excalibur dehydrators. If I have a handful of tomatoes that maybe I don't want to put in the freezer and I want to do something else, I can slice those up and dehydrate them. And they turn into great, like a sun-dried tomato option for recipes down the road. Um, that would be a great option as well for fruits, right? You have a couple apples in the fridge or a couple bananas. Um, not that you're growing those things. Maybe you are. I'm sure as heck not. I'll probably never grow a banana in my whole life, which I've just come to terms with. <laughs> but you could do the same with vegetables. I personally have not had a ton of experience dehydrating vegetables just because I prefer to do other things like freezing or canning. But I know a lot of folks put their dehydrator to work nonstop in the fall during harvest season. So if you have it, don't forget it when it comes to these micro harvests. And what else? Let's see. I think my last one is maybe more of a no-brainer. But don't forget, like, you can make meals. And I mentioned that with the sheet pan stuff, right? But whether it's some crazy vegetable soups or... Um, you roast up, you chop up the vegetables in similar sizes, you roast them and add them to a pasta dish, you add them to casseroles, you do salads. There's a lot of ways that your garden can help with your meal planning. And that was kind of what happened with me tonight, um, or this afternoon, I guess, rather. I had the videos today, I was kind of preoccupied. I didn't have something on my menu plan, which 
is a no-no. I know better than that. Like I know better than to get to lunch and have no clue what we're going to eat because it usually ends poorly. But I started just looking in the garden and the refrigerator to see what I had. And lo and behold, it was a bunch of random weird vegetables that weren't really enough to be a meal on their own. So I was like, how can I put these together? And tonight stir fry sounded good. Or maybe a different night it's soup or it's um, some sort of roasted vegetable salad. So just get creative. Um, Don't be afraid to put things together that maybe you haven't previously put together. Because that's the cool thing about the garden. It just pushes you out of your culinary comfort zone. So anyway, friends, that's all I have for you on this episode. Hopefully that gave you some ideas. I would love to hear what you do to maximize the micro harvests that you're getting from your homestead. So shoot me an email or a message over on Instagram. Always looking for more little tricks to add to my arsenal. And that's all I have for you today. Hey, if you need some help with your homestead, don't forget about my library of resources over at theprairiehomestead.com slash grow. It's basically everything I've created for newbie homesteaders or folks who just need a little bit more help to get things rolling. Uh, we got chicken coop checklists. We've got gardens, guides, and how to start your own seeds, how to take care of your dairy animals, all, all the good stuff. It's free. Go over to theprairiehomestead.com slash grow. Um, send me your email address and I will give you instant access. So Take advantage of that because there's a lot of good stuff in there. And that is it for today. Don't forget to hit subscribe. So all the new episodes show up in your podcast player automatically. And if you found this episode or any other episode helpful, I love, love, love to see your social media posts about it. Like maybe you take a screenshot or you take a picture of yourself listening and post that over on Instagram. Give me a tag and I will be sure to reshare it on my account. So thank you so much for being here. You have no idea what your support means to me. It is just the coolest thing ever. And we will catch up again on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.